0: This is our fourth and final week in the Kingdom of God series. And uh, let me make a little disclaimer here, all right? So these sermons are really topical snippets. You know what a snippet is? A snippet is a little piece of a larger something, right? It's like Martha, you know, I, I like um, Ben and Jerry's... What's the one I like so much? Ch- no, stuff is horrible. Cherry Garcia, right? I love the cherries in there. And uh, so Martha was, oh, I found Cherry Garcia on sale. I got you four of them. I said, great. right? Because you can't open those little tubs and seal it back up and put it back in. I mean, how ridiculous, right? So I go and I open up the Cherry Garcia, and I said, you got to bring this back. She said, why? What's the matter? It's all the chocolate Pieces have been taken out. She says, oh, I took them. <laughs> she says, I, I can't eat the ice cream, but I love the chocolate. So she takes all my snippets. <laughs> right? So that's what these are. These are snippets, <laughs> little theological snippets. They are not uh, complex theological discourses on kingdom dynamics. And uh, they're meant to stir your interest and compel you to search the scriptures for more uh, read books, you know, go online. Uh, N.T. Wright is fabulous uh, if you like kingdom theology, okay? Uh, or go for the historical Jesus just to kind of put your mind in context because we are 21st century thinkers, or some of us 20th century thinkers who made it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Barely, right? Yeah, I was telling Ray Eyed, I was doing some work up at my cabin in the bathroom, uh, s- some plumbing work, and I left the bathroom and I went into another room. And I got there and I said, "Why am I here? <laughs> right. Why did I come into this room?" Right? Anyone having those moments? Right? <laughs> All right. So you're 20th century and and you made it to the 21st, but it wasn't all that great anyways. So, so we have uh, talked about Jesus and the inauguration of the kingdom and why it was that Jesus and his kingdom message was so readily accepted by the people of Israel. Right? We spoke about the now or the already of the kingdom that Jesus commissioned us into as the church and empowered us to participate in on the day of Pentecost by giving the Holy Spirit. We spoke and practice in our ministry time uh, the demonstration of the kingdom that Jesus assured us was part of our inheritance. Then last week, we moved on to the not yet of the kingdom. Those aspects of the kingdom, while accessible in the now, still await us in their fullness at the end of the age, right? It's like we reach into the kingdom age of the future and draw back uh, the anointing, the power, the peace, uh, that Jesus offers, especially through the utterances of the prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. This we discovered is where we find heaven's treasures stored in the mysteries of the kingdom of God hidden, in the not yet of the kingdom. Right? And each week we have endeavored to allow extra ministry time at the end of the sermon to try our hand at doing kingdom stuff, right? love doing kingdom stuff, by praying for and loving on one another. Uh, Now, this week, as we close the series, we ask the question, and this is a big question, how do we become kingdom people? How do we become kingdom people? And like most things concerning the kingdom of God, this question is both simple on the one hand and profound and complex on the other. Let me show this at its most basic application. Jesus is having a conversation with a Pharisee, right? a priest at the temple in Jerusalem, Nicodemus, an elder in Israel, has spent his whole life studying the Bible, the law and the prophets, as well as all of the commentary writings of the past sages. He has achieved the height of his calling within Judaism. But he recognizes something in Jesus, something more, something powerful and yet compassionate. What was Nicodemus seeing? He was seeing the kingdom in action, and it is recognizable. And most of the time, it's easily recognizable. I mean, open blind eyes, cleanse a leper. Raise a child from the dead. That's not the norm, right? But it is the kingdom. Where it gets complex is getting into the kingdom, into that kingdom zone for our own lives, and that's what Jesus addresses in John 3, verses 1 through 12. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I love the way Jesus answers a whole different question. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What? What? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly. Again, he's answering a whole different question. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do you marvel that I said to you, you must be born again? but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So did anyone see the kingdom key in this dialogue? We speak of what we know. We speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Say this after me. I speak of what I know and bear witness to what I have seen. Just a truism. It is just a truism, right? In other words, I have my own inbred responses, my own emotional reactions, my own convictions based on past experience and living my life that formulates my worldview. A teaching that I am absolutely convinced is right and justified and either verbally defensible, I can argue out my point of view, right? If you have a different point of view, we can have a discussion about that, right? We can, we can work it out. Or the alternative is fight or flight, Because no one wants to give in. I speak of what I know, and I bear witness to what I have seen. So I lash out, or I run away. I yell in rage, or quietly sulk, or just pretend I don't care because they're all wrong, anyways. Here's the catch. Even Jesus, even Jesus, but you do not receive our testimony. Here's an example, Matthew 19. Behold, a man came to him, that is to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Don't you wish it was that easy? Just give me the one thing I need to do. All right, start living. Right? Start living your life. Right. He said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man puffed himself up, really large, and said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Remember we talked about that last week, treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. When the young man heard this, He went away sorrowful. He quietly sulked. Right? Why? Because he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can you say that? With God? So, what's your impossibility today? Huh? You got an impossibility? Give it to him, surrender it to him. Because with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, in the age to come, in the not yet of the kingdom, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake. And you have to add the disclaimer on the end, for my name's sake. Because people do all kinds of weird things as religious activity, and it's got nothing to do with Jesus. hmm he will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So, what is that? Servant leadership, isn't it? Servant leadership. So, didn't this guy ask Jesus the question, What do I still lack? What do I still lack? Right? I did all of those things. Ta da! And, of course, he wanted to hear what we all want to hear. Listen, you lack nothing. You are perfect. You have arrived. You made it. I'm so proud of you. He did not expect Jesus to sell. say, sell all your stuff. What? (laughs) But I kept all those commandments. Sell all your stuff. Give away all your money to the poor and follow me. And what's he do? He goes away sorrowful. Right? Jesus pulls the rug out from under something that this rich young man was standing on. What? What was he standing on? The disciples got it, right? When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. What? Saying, who then can be saved? this guy doesn't make it, with all his wealth, with all that he's done with the law, if he doesn't make it, who's got a chance? Because they knew the same information the rich young ruler knew. If you are rich and prosperous, it is because you have God's favor on your life, and your wealth proves it. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> well, Barney. Sell it all, honey, and follow Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just ask any rabbi or priest in Jerusalem who's part of the temple religious system and live off of the monies that come into it, especially from rich young rulers. They'll tell you, You've got God's favor, son. Keep giving. Now, before you pass judgment on this guy, consider that we all do the same thing and often. When was the last time you had an angry argument with someone who pushed your button and offended you? Or when was the last time you got even with someone because they started it, right? Now they're going to get what they deserve. So what would Jesus say? What Jesus say? He might say like in Luke 6.27, but I say to you who hear, right? <laughs> oh good, you caught that, <laughs> who hear, love your enemies. Right? Do good to those who hate you. Dang, stop it, will you? <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We judge others when he says don't. We don't honor our fathers and mothers when he tells us to make sure we do for our own well-being. We curse instead of bless, rage instead of pray, and then wonder why we don't see the kingdom more active in our lives. What do I have to do to enter the kingdom? Just do what I say. Just do what I say. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. So how did Jesus live as a kingdom-centric human? Now, you remember, of course, Jesus is fully human as well as fully God. When he lived his life on earth, it says that he put aside his godly prerogatives. In other words, he didn't function out of his godliness. He functioned out of his relationship as a fully human man in relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. He did what he gave us the opportunity to do, only did it successfully. So here's a few indicators. John 5:19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, the son of the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. John 12:49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me commandment what to say, and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is how Jesus lived out his humanity in direct relationship with the Father by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus had lived 30 years as fully man learning and experiencing everything that all of his contemporaries had learned and experienced. He got the same downloads as the rich young ruler. He got the same downloads as the disciples got. He grew up in that culture, inculcated with everything that they were inculcated with. But to be a kingdom man, he could not rely on the flesh to guide and direct his responses and actions. He had to turn to the spirit first. He had to not only see the kingdom, but he had to enter the kingdom, draw on the kingdom, and offer the kingdom to the world around him at all costs, and it cost him all to do it. Jesus was not reactionary, but he was responsive. He was responsive first to the Holy Spirit for guidance of the Father's will, and then he was responsive to the situation at hand based on the directives of heaven and the compulsions of wisdom and compassion to bring the rule and reign of the kingdom to bear in the moment. The Apostle Paul sums up the whole thing in a couple of sentences in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world. What world? What world? Listen, Pat Wilson's world is different than my world. My world is different than his world. His world is different from her world, because we all have world views. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let your own understanding be the compulsion that causes you to react. Pause and ask the Spirit. Pray and ask the Father. And then respond rather than react. Right? Do not conform yourself to this world because your stuff will rule you. Right? you how many of you know that? How many of you have paid a price for that? (laughs) And we keep doing it. Dang. (laughs) Come quickly, Lord Jesus, would you? (laughs) Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. You see, there it is, the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well, I've done all of that. I must be okay. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has given you. It might be helpful for us to understand that the kingdom of God is not about location or geography. So, when we think of kingdom, maybe maybe you think of England, right? And that's a kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah, the United Kingdom, yeah, right. So maybe you you got something like that in your head that that's what it looks like. You are no closer to the kingdom when in Jerusalem. Than you are when you're in Laconia. Right? I'll say that again. You're no closer to the kingdom if you're in Rome than you are when you're in Laconia. It doesn't matter where you go on the planet, you get no closer to the kingdom than where you are right now inside yourself. Because the kingdom is not about location, it's not about geography. Kingdom of God is about influence, divine influence. John Wimber had this to say about Jesus' kingdom activity. He says, kingdom is translated from the New Testament Greek word, basileia, which implies an exercise of kingdom rule and reign rather than simply establishing a geographic realm over which kings rule. The kingdom of God is the dynamic reign or rule of God. So when God rules in your life, in any instance, in any instance, when God rules and dictates your behavior, your reaction, your speech, the kingdom is evident and active and now in your life. When you turn and start letting your own emotions and your own stuff rule and reign and people are paying the price for that the kingdom is void All right so you see Jesus doing stuff like oh the kingdom of god is near at hand or oh, the kingdom of god is in you right so how can that be how can it how can it be near at hand and then in you so if i'm acting as a kingdom representative following the leading of the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm responding to it, the kingdom is in me. If I'm not doing that and somebody else nearby is doing it and I'm not, then the kingdom is near at hand, but it's not in me. Do you get this? It's divine influence is what establishes you in the kingdom. That's why you see people who do phenomenal stuff for God. I mean, they're lit up, they're on fire, and then all of a sudden they're gone, right? Like, what happened? You know, that person was so on fire. They were so lit up. They knew the word so well, and and now they're just out there. Right? You didn't listen to Paul in Romans. come in and out of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is the dynamic reign or rule of God when Jesus said that the kingdom of God had come in him, he claimed for himself the position of a divine invader. I like that, a divine invader coming to set everything straight. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Wow. In other words, Jesus not only spoke words about the kingdom, he went around Israel doing the works of the kingdom. He was destroying the works of the evil one that bring physical and spiritual death to human beings. Jesus had a message of good news. That is what the word gospel means, good news. But he also had a ministry to back it up. As he trained his disciples, they became apprentices to his work, doing the stuff of the kingdom. In the vineyard family of churches, we believe that Christians are commissioned and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the works of the kingdom. With Jesus, we are empowered by the Spirit. Empowered how? By the Spirit if the Spirit is ruling and reigning in your life, you are in the kingdom. It's not by flesh. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by my Spirit. Says who? The Lord, right? It's empowered by the Spirit to bring the presence of God's future to our streets our neighborhoods, towns, and cities, in the hospitals, homes, and hearts to which he sends us, will you say yes to God? This is Wimber's question to the Vineyard Church 15, 20 years ago. Will you say yes to God and enter the kingdom? Will you become a person who works with Jesus in words and works to demonstrate the kingdom of God is truly near. And the first way to get there is to invite the Holy Spirit. So would you stand with me in prayer? So Lord, lest we end up doing what we've talked about we shouldn't be doing, Relying on our own ideas, our own agendas, our own opinions of our own selves. We first turn our attention to you, Holy Spirit, and invite you to come. Just allow your presence to fill our hearts and minds in this room today.